Welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church, our online worship experience. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge. Today is a significant day for Christians around the world. It's a celebration of Pentecost, which I affectionately refer to as the birthday of the church. Often in years past, and I might do it this week, I haven't decided yet, I bring a cake to worship and the kids and I, we sing happy birthday, dear church. But truthfully, it's a bit confusing because it seems like God has a lot of birthdays. I always run into this. Every year I think about this. There's Christmas. Jesus is born, and then we celebrate his birthday. Then he's baptized, and it feels like another kind of birthday, a born-again birthday. And then there's Easter, which also feels an awful lot like a birthday. I don't know what you'd call that, the birthday of life itself. Now we've got this arrival of the Holy Spirit, that deep personal presence of God that blew into our lives on the events of this day generations ago, and it's another birthday. Throw into the mix that we worship in such a beloved historic sanctuary, and it gets really confusing to say, happy birthday, church. Are we 140 years old? Are we 2,000 years old? Mm, Something else I should tell you too, when I say happy birthday, church, You know, it's not really about the birth of a new institution. It's not about the birth of an exclusive community with all its regulations. It's the birth of something far more expansive, wilder, disruptive, and creative than institutions ever are or meant to be. That's not to say they don't have a place in our worlds because they do, but we also need that uncontained, less predictable, corrective element in our lives. 
so our hearts do not harden. I guess it really comes down to this. God has a lot of beginnings, a lot of recreations, a lot of birthdays, and it keeps us on our toes. So let us worship in the spirit of a God who keeps interrupting our world to keep us alive and to begin again and again and again. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. response to the hungry and the poor that we may live out truth and justice and grace let us pray to the Lord let us pray to the Lord Kyrie eleison on our world and on our spirit to guide that you center our lives in the water and the word that you nourish our souls with your body and blood let us pray to the Lord let us pray to the Lord Let us pray. God, our Creator, the resurrection of your Son offers life to all the peoples of earth. In your Spirit this day, kindle in us the fire of your love. Empower our lives for service. Help us to praise you as we ought. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I want to begin today with an invitation. We belong to a denomination that often skips around the Bible for the scripture readings we have from week to week, and it can make it hard, especially if you're a newcomer to our church, to find the logic to all of it and make connections in the teaching from Sunday to Sunday. We are also a church that has struggled with developing our biblical literacy. 
And it's no wonder our members come from all over North County, and it can be really hard to add another commitment into our week, especially one that involves driving. So making little small groups for the Bible studies here at church has been a big hurdle. Rural internet connections don't always make Zoom Bible studies easy, plus a lot of us are Zoomed out. As your Bible teacher, I really want to find some ways to make it easier for you all to get to know our sacred stories, and not just our particular stories, but for you to develop a sense of the overall story of the Bible. Even in its diversity book to book, and this is a deeply diverse book, there is a big picture continuity that can be hard to grasp without formal instruction from a guide or without the aid of a small group working through the verses. So this summer, Bethel is doing something a little different for our Sunday teaching. We're going to follow just one book of the Bible chronologically instead of skipping around to different readings week to week. And working with our Wednesday Bible study, who is a very faithful group, we thought it would be best to begin with the book of Acts. And here's the reason why. My sense of you all is that you have a pretty good grasp on the life of Jesus, his birth, his teaching, the meaning of his death and resurrection. But a lot of us are not so familiar with what happened after Jesus left this planet in his bodily self, otherwise known as the Ascension. You know, we received the Holy Spirit, you know that, but just how did the church come into being after that? How did we go from a band of followers on the road to Jerusalem to a church throughout the world? Many of us don't know those details. We know it has something to do with St. Paul and a few others. Maybe we know that much. We aren't sensitive to the struggles of those early followers. My hope and the hope of our Bible study class is that by looking at the immediate aftermath for Jesus' followers, we might see something of ourselves in those pages because it's all about learning to be the kingdom of God in the midst of cataclysmic disruption. And I'll get back to that in my sermon. It's all about what the Holy Spirit did through those faithful communities when Jesus was not around to tutor his disciples or do it for them, which probably sounds familiar because it's just like us today. We do not have Jesus in the same way as they did in the Gospels. So that's the invitation. So I invite you, join with us in this journey through the book of Acts. It begins today. I make no promises how long it will take, however long it's fruitful for us. I invite you to listen each week. If you miss a week, just go back and listen here online. If you usually go to church and you miss church, then hop on here to keep up. Get your Bibles out, follow along, mark up your pages. And when I post resources on the online worship page, go explore. I'll have videos and podcasts and reading recommendations. This is your chance to really get to know the ancient people and the spirit who moved them and made it possible for us to be here today. And if we get to know them well, we might find our own way forward in our own disruptive times. Well, Pentecost is on our menu today in Acts chapter 2. So our readings will look at that wondrous event, the beginning, the birthday of the church, so to speak. There is some important prologue information that comes in the first chapter. I encourage you to go back and look at it in your own time this week. Like the fact that the same person who wrote about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke also wrote this book. They are meant to be read together, these two books, Luke and Acts. 
It's also helpful to know when Luke and Acts were written. They were written maybe 30, 40, 50 years after Paul and Peter and others did all their missionary work. So there's quite a bit of hindsight here, both for when Jesus was alive and when the apostles founded all their churches. Well, not all of them, but the beginning of that missionary time when things really exploded across the Mediterranean world. Right now, we're going to hear just a few verses from the first chapter from that prologue information. The verses are about how the disciples start to recover after the trauma of the crucifixion. The Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, but Jesus has left, and so they start to prepare themselves for the promised fulfillment. And the first problem they had to figure out was who was going to take the place of Judas. Remember, there were 12 complete 12 of them at the Last Supper, but then the betrayal, and now they have a vacancy. So this is our first reading today, filling a vacancy. I remember years ago, Dean Nelson, Bishop Dean Nelson, talking about this. The early church problems were just as run-of-the-mill and everyday unglamorous as ours today. Who's going to do the work? The questions, they're kind of the same. It reminded me of some of the statistics I have heard about churches across the country right now, that people really protect their time and would way rather give money than hours volunteering. It's not always been that way. And that's been a trend for a while, but then it accelerated during the pandemic. And so what do you do when you feel incomplete or overwhelmed as a community with the demands before you? In the case of those first disciples, today we see how they responded. So that's reading number one. Our second reading will bring us to the day the Holy Spirit bursts on the scene. It's quite a bit of story here, going from this vacancy into the moment of Pentecost. So let's go ahead and listen now. The first reading according to the book of Acts, the first chapter. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120 people and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. The word of the Lord. A reading from Psalm 104. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you form to sport in it. These all look to you, to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. 
When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth, and it trembles. Who touches the mountains, and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. The second reading is from the second chapter of the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
reading from the Gospel of John. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. As we come to the story today, there are a few things I want you all to see that pave the way for the whole rest of this book. If you're a note taker, this is your moment. There are many layers to the storm of the Holy Spirit rushing in and coming to settle on these early followers. But for our purposes, here's what I want you to take with you. First, the symbol of fire and wind. As you may already know, these are powerful symbols in Genesis and Exodus, fire and wind. The wind is the same kind of rushing wind that God blew over the face of the deep to create our world as we know it. It's the same wind that divided the waters of the Red Sea to make way for the Exodus. And fire, fire is everywhere in the Hebrew scriptures. Tim Mackey gives a pretty great exploration of this, which I've posted online. I'll just say, think of the fire as the same fire of the burning bush, the same fire of Sinai, the same smoking pots of Abraham, fires and temples, fires and visions of temples, fires of the chariots that carried prophets to heaven. Fire is the indwelling presence of God. What does it mean when the fire then comes down and touches the people? It's very specific what happens here. The tongue rests on each of them. A tongue, I should say. A tongue rests on each of them. Wherever the fiery presence of God resides becomes holy ground. The followers of Jesus in this Pentecost moment become the house of God's spirit. They become the temple. We, as Jesus' people, Jesus' body here on earth, we become the temple. We have to really understand this if we want to grasp the conflicts and transformations that take place in the course of this whole book. God's presence comes to the people and the people become the temple. We'll address how controversial this is on another day, but for now, that's the first big thing that we need to hold from this story. The fire makes the people the temple. The second thing I invite you to see here is the multicultural dimension of this event. You heard all those regions announced when it was read to you. People are here from all over the Roman world and beyond. Jews who have been scattered and exiled have returned for a Jewish festival. But in Jesus, they are finding the promised unity and restoration of the new covenant. And again, this is central to understanding the early church and what made it different from anything the world had ever seen before in a religion. It also made it incredibly controversial. Story after story in the book of Acts will challenge us because the church, by definition in the Bible, is multicultural, and it is not easy to hold that kind of diversity and unity. And when it is not multicultural, when the church is not multicultural, when the church does not bring together people of varying geographies, cultures, and languages to find common worship and calling in Christ— 
and we are not aligned with that early vision of fulfillment. Pentecost puts us in touch with our core identity. At our core, Christianity is this eclectic, wonderfully messy, beautifully chaotic unifying of peoples who may differ in so many ways, but find a life together in Jesus. It's pretty amazing and is the kind of movement and spirit that the world is always in need of. I think the last thing I want to say about this story, and trust me, there is so much more. The last thing is about storytelling. And I'm not going to preach about this today because I did a pretty involved sermon on storytelling a few weeks back. I will repost it in the sermon notes if you want to explore it. It's enough to say today that the first response that these new leaders have to the Holy Spirit is story. It's their story. But what they do, and this is crucial for us, they tell the story of who they are through the story of God. Look at Peter's speech. They give their witness using the language they've been gifted by the prophets before them. They give continuity to their experiences namely again to the trauma of the crucifixion by finding orientation in the stories and promises that have been passed on to them. And here's the clincher. In their world of disruption and unpredictable change, change that is jarring, upending, and often tragic, God gives them continuity through the biblical witness. And as Christians today, we need to hear this. The world around us cannot always give us the continuity we need to trust that our lives are meaningful and grounded in deep universal hope. We won't always get those signs, but the story of God does give us a way to see our lives as continuous and meaningful. So do not look elsewhere for the story. Look in these pages. And the task for us is to tell our story using this language, these visions, these histories, these promises, and then they become our own. And that's why we need to be biblically literate, because when the world takes everything else away, we have this. So you got all that? The Jesus people are now the temple. That's number one. Number two, the early church was a multicultural phenomenon, and it still is. And three, this is your story. Know it and tell it. I want to close by returning to what I said in my introduction. The book of Acts is about learning to be the kingdom of God in the midst of cataclysmic disruption. The disruption is not the arrival of the Holy Spirit, even though it looks that way. Sure, it's loud and fiery, but the disruption that rocks the disciples is the crucifixion and the revelation of the risen Jesus. That's the cataclysm here, especially against that backdrop of Roman oppression, the crushing of the temple that came to be in the years that followed after these events, the hardship and trauma and exploitation of Middle Eastern life. Jesus' followers were learning to be the kingdom of God in the midst of all of that. Pentecost unlocks for them the way through these changes. It releases the personal presence of God out of the physical Jerusalem temple and into their intimate lives. This is why I want to read them with you. We too are living through times of immense disruptive change. We cannot count on old answers and old authorities to give us direction. The church too is changing in ways that we cannot yet even anticipate. 
And you know these challenges, the trauma of COVID isolation and fear, the harm wrought by the breakdown in our institutions, the politicizing of just about everything in our lives, the absence of new generations in aging congregations. The list of pressures and disruptions is long. I could go on and on. You know the challenges that touch every congregation in America, including us. My instinct and my own learning tells me that the best thing that we can do is reroute in the foundational practices of our church what we already know how to do well, communing and eating together, praying for one another, mutually sustaining each other with compassion, tending to each other, singing, telling our stories, and returning to our biblical witness so we can see ourselves in those pages. That's what I hope for more than anything as we undertake this series together. Can we discover ourselves here? Can we learn again what it means to be church, to be the kingdom we were called to be? And maybe most of all, might we be inspired to trust God in a time of change that we can little control? I want for us to feel ourselves to be disciples of Christ. So that's what we are doing, going back to the beginning and becoming alive again, renewing ourselves in the living word of God. Amen. calling and free spirit spirit of restlessness stir me from placidness wind wind on the sea you moved on the waters you called to the deep then you coaxed up the from the valleys of sleep and over the eons you call to each thing awake from your slumbers and rise on your wings spirit spirit of gentleness flow through the calling and free oh spirit spirit of restlessness stir me from blessedness wind wind on the sea you sang in a stable you cried from a hill then you whispered silence when the whole world was still and down in the city you called once again when you blew through your people on the rush of the wind spirit spirit of gentleness 
Blow through the wilderness calling and free. Restlessness, stir me from placidness, wind, wind on the sea. You call from tomorrow, you break ancient schemes. From the bondage of sorrow, all the captives dream dreams. Our women see visions, our men clear their eyes. With bold new decisions, your people arise. Oh, spirit, spirit of gentleness, blow through the wilderness, calling and Stir me from placidness, wind, wind on the sea. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our closing prayer was written by Nancy Rockwell. We have heard about the storied fires of God, fires that lead lost people in the wilderness at night and burn without consuming a green-leafed bush and come down from heaven on the wings of Elijah's prayer, consuming the faint hearts of false prophets. On this day of Pentecost, it is the spirits of ordinary people that catch fire with joy, consuming the attitudes and customs that divide them, creating goodwill between them. The spirit that is holy appears in those who discover and delight in each other. May it again be so. May such flames dance in us. May we be on fire with the possibility of sharing life and love, and may we spread this fire on. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
change our hearts as we stand on your word. Holy Spirit, Spirit, Go in peace, love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.